This is Consumed, the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. And this season, you get two for the price of one. I'm Jamie Lewis. And I'm Matt Cross. And this is my Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover. Okay, now, Matt, what qualifies you to take over this podcast? Well, I eat, drink, think, and now make. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, I was a guest on Consumed for season five. Yes, that's right. Go back and listen to the Matt Cross episode. I will put it in the show notes. Plus, I own the Broad Street Public House in San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody on the Central Coast because I've been a local musician for decades. I've probably played for at least half of your listeners' weddings. Yes, these are all very good reasons. I'm just now remembering why this was okay with me. So, listener, with the Tap Takeover, I asked Matt to choose every guest and to join me for a chat as we get to know these guests better. These are people I've met over the years and thought they'd be good for an interesting conversation. And you were not wrong, my friend. I was not wrong. Shall we get into it? Yes, let's do it. This is Consumed. Janelle Doozy is the winemaker behind J. Doozy Wines and part of an enviable legacy. Her great-grandparents came to Paso Robles from Italy in the early 1900s and planted Zinfandel across their spacious property. The following two generations kept at it, farming vines and selling to some of the biggest, most iconic brands in the wine industry, names like Ridge and Turley. While Janelle also considers herself a farmer, I mean, how could she not with a family like that, Janelle went on to become a winemaker. In fact, when she was just 13 years old, she made her first Zinfandel and won an honorable mention at the California Mid-State Fair. And that was just the beginning. Janelle shares with me and Matt about studying global and international studies at UC Santa Barbara, the ins and outs of growing Zin, and how she came up with the name Paper Street for her new vineyard. Here's my conversation with Matt Cross and Janelle Doozy. Janelle Doozy, you're awesome for driving down here. Do you live in Paso? I do. Well, technically Templeton, but um, I live actually on the original Ducey Vineyard. So I was planted in 1945, and I live on the middle of all the vines. So, But to come down to San Luis is more of like refreshing excuse. So, you know, I booked it right in the middle of the day, so I had to be down here for most of the day. So it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you don't know any different, really, being on the vineyard. I mean, that's pretty much... I mean, aside from when you've lived away from home. Sure, yeah. But the, when I when I have traveled and I have gone away to school, when I come back home to the vineyard, it's like, why would I live anywhere else? This place is awesome. So um, it's always, yeah, a good place to come home to. Yeah, for sure. And you, so you two know each other because, is it mostly because of playing music? Yeah. At the yeah. winery? Yeah, she saw me play at Fortini. And then yeah. you hit me up soon after that. And then, yeah, it's been like 12 years, at least a couple of times a year. Yeah. And I feel like that's the best way to get that kind of connection to see someone you like, you know, and then mm-hmm. get their name because we get bombarded on a daily basis of people yeah. who mm-hmm, yeah. stopping in, dropping off CDs or email, you know, emailing as well. But yeah, yeah my band played there a bunch of times when the band was still together. So that was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. We always had, enjoy- we had a great time. You guys always took care of us. It was always like, yeah, yeah. JD's, where are you going? Yeah. What does take care of us mean? Uh, Give them wine. Yeah, That's what I thought it <laughs> There's usually like an area set up for us. We don't have to ask for a check. Like, yeah. you know, there's places yes. where you're like, oh, hey, so I'm leaving. They're like, yeah. okay, well, it was great. You're like, but you need to pay me for <laughs> yeah. what I yeah. did. So like to just have your check and like a bottle of wine while you're playing, we're like, this is amazing. Yeah. It's really just the essentials and some water. And nice. And like when they're, they're happy, like it's great to play a place when they come in, they're like, we're so so glad you're here versus like who are you like what yeah. oh someone booked you okay you're over there in the corner why are know? musicians treated so poorly because um, we're a dime a dozen 
mean, we really so are. Many. There's so many of us. But and not the good ones. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. <laughs> and around here, too. I mean, the fact that there are wineries, I've heard musicians say it's a massive draw because you always have a gig. You have a place to play. Is well, because the now there's, what, 300 or yeah, plus? Yeah, how many are there? Oh, 300 wineries, and those are, I think, brick-and-mortar ones. But like, as far as wine labels go, there are so many more yeah. that don't have official you know, wineries, walk-ins. Yeah. That's the craziest thing is how do you create a name? I mean, how do you sell your wine when either like, cause, I mean, I buy wine from a distributor and I try and go with people I know, you know, th- yeah. that, are, that are local, but going, you know, if I was owning a restaurant, it's like there's 300 just from this area, you That's know, right. yeah. so it's you have to stand market. out amongst everybody yeah. else. Otherwise, how are you going to pay your bills and how are you going to keep making wine and survive? Yeah. yeah. Um, luckily I kind of have, um, tons of, history on my side and yeah yeah, and being a family that's been around for generations that I think I get a lot I think this is how I perceive it is that a lot of people look at our family endeavors of of vineyards and now the winery and have a little bit more respect for it just because we're one of the only vineyards that's still family owned that hasn't sold and changed hands which isn't a bad thing sometimes people can't but fortunately we've had generations been concerned and been wanting to carry on the, the tradition of grape growing. So mm. our, um, our land is still family owned and lived on and cherished and loved. Yeah. And we want to continue doing that. So I feel like people refer other wineries refer people to us a lot mm-hmm. and varietals. You got to have, you got to have good wine too, for mm-hmm. people to refer you, um, and, and stand out amongst other wineries for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Zinfandel goes, I mean, how did you, how, where did the inspiration come from to do a certain style of Zin? I mean, would you say I have I haven't had your wine in quite a uh, while. I brought you so many bottles. Oh my gosh. But I um I know. Um this is the Pinot Grigio and it is so clear that there's a new nickname for it in town. What is it? Oh, is it bad? Deucey water. <laughs> this I is, like Deucey water. This is by far the biggest production wine that I make, and yeah. it is like crack to people. <laughs> they come in, we sell it by the case, and it, it's just really light and crisp and lower alcohol, so it's mm-hmm. actually you can keep drinking a couple glasses. We have a tap at the bar. Oh, oh do see? You really? Yeah, and so it's so clear in the glass because that's even clearer with a smaller amount. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know if I should be offended or excited that it actually has a name that's sticking and people are coming in like okay the case of that doozy water and i'm that like i got cute. it for you so hey, that i mean they're buying it to be 12 percent abv so <laughs> actually, yeah exactly so with this i mean why can you explain so listener this is um a bottle of uh it's a clear glass bottle and it's it really is like water. I mean, it, it looks, it's so It has clear. a tinge of There's this. There's a tinge of it. Yeah, it totally <laughs> does. Um, but what would you say, I mean, can you explain why that would be that, that light? The ironic part is that Pinot Grigio is the only white varietal that actually turns purple in the vine. Mm. So that in the is interesting. Yeah. So that's what the Pinot Gris or Grigio is uh, gray in either French or Italian. So Grigio is gray and Italian. So um, the varietal turns this color, so you want to get it off really quickly, and you kind of put a little bit of carbon in it to kind of decolor it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you get this kind of almost a little tinge of green, limey, um, straw kind of color. But mm. it um, has... To see that color lightness and then to smell it and get all that aroma and the yes. bouquet and the floral and tropical and the nose... You're like, how can this happen? Yeah. How can that little glass pack such a punch of, of um, 
yeah, aromas and and there's actually not a lot of Pinot Grigio grown in Paso Robles. People typically mm-hmm. go Pinot Grigio, Paso Robles with a question mark. And I like, think of it, it as a cool, cool weather thing. But yeah, maybe not. But like, isn't it too hot? Don't you guys grow big, bold reds? Yeah. It was like, yeah, but the small amount of Pinot Grigio that's there, I get most of it from Paso Robles. Mm-hmm. And I think all of our Paso Robles sunshine just brings out the ripening and brings out more to make this Pinot Grigio stand out amongst a lot of others. Yeah. Hey, Matt, take the wheel. I'm going to get glasses so we yeah. can. Yeah. Well, I know it's that's a fan favorite. Um, it's been interesting because as I've, I didn't know much about wine obviously coming into what, what playing music, yeah. but then playing, you know, different wineries every week and everyone here, try this, try that. Yeah. It was like slowly like, Oh, this is, you know, before it was just, Oh, two buck chucks or whatever I can get cheap. Yeah. And I have to say that the Zen is definitely on my top five of the central coast. I, it's one of my favorites. Um, so I know we've known each other for a while, but I don't know. I really don't know your history in mm-hmm. like how you, I mean, I know your parents were involved obviously and stuff, <laughs> but how you got involved and how you kind of took this path in life. Yeah. Um, So I'm fourth generation on the great farming part. And that's what the really interesting part is that my great grandparents came over from Northern Italy in the early 1900s. And when they came to Paso Robles and settled here, it was like, what are the other Italians doing? You know, they wanted to assimilate and see where their people were. And they were all the old families, the Pazentis, the Rotas, the York, York Mountain, which is now Epic, mm-hmm. and the Martinelli's. And so they all became friends and they were all planting Zinfandel. So my family joined the bandwagon and planted oh, so um, cool. right along the 101. There's uh, 40 acres planted in 1925. And then where I live across the highway, I was planted in 19... Um, 45, 100 acres. But they didn't all know each other ahead of time? No. Okay. No. And so it was kind of seeking the other Italians. What are you guys doing? They became fast friends. Um, But really for about 60, oh, sorry, it's almost 100 years old. So about um, 80 years, we were just grape growers. Um, And I know you said, how'd you start or something? I started really, really young. I lived on this vineyard. My dad was a farmer. Um... I had two older brothers that wanted nothing to do with me besides beat me up. So <laughs> I would go outside and my grandfather was out in the vineyard just tinkering around. So I would hang out with him in the day and, you know, sing Spanish songs with him. Even though it was Italian, he loved to speak Spanish more. And, um, and I just grew to love the vineyard and we were expected to do the work because we're farmers mm-hmm. kids. So mm-hmm. it was like all the manual labor was on us. Um, and from that, I just begged my grandfather to teach me how to make wine. I was 12. Mm-hmm. And I entered my first wine into the California Mid State Fair when I was thirteen. Okay, okay, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have the newspaper clipping in the tasting room mounted, and it says uh, Janelle Ducey, uh, nineteen ninety two Zinfandel, and um, honorable mention I got. That's and so how do you incredible, as a, but as, you're not legal to drink, right? And how is your palate and, at twelve or thirteen to even so know what you're that's dealing the with? Thing is that I wanted to make wine, and I really wanted just to take this the the process of it. Okay. So um, I wasn't tasting and blending. I was tasting, but I wasn't blending and perfecting <laughs> the wine. I was simply taking what grapes were at, in my front yard mm-hmm. and um, following the steps to make turn it into wine and kind of bottling it however it turned out the next year. Wow. So just learning the steps. My grandfather thought it was fun to do with me. My dad thought it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went in and turned in the bottle, I think they just assumed I was running 
the sample in for somebody else. But <laughs> they printed the newspaper article with my name on it, and I was 13 years old. Oh, so. my it's gosh. It's the cutest yeah. thing I've ever I try heard. and get my kids to sip on drinks just because it, it was so forbidden. Really? Cool, because it was so forbidden yeah. in my household. I think yeah. that's why I yeah. rebelled and partied in high school. Yeah. So now I think I'm the, like, you know, my, I got Grateful Dead on. I'm giving my girls, trying to get my girls alcohol at 10. Yeah. So I want them to rebel <laughs> towards books and medical school and that kind of thing. But uh, every time they smell it, whatever glass I have, they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, it's just amazing at that age. Because I, I mean, I don't think I started liking wine until I don't well into my twenties. But same, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do think I have more of a house palate because I started so young. Right, it was just and it was. You asked me what style. That's what you asked me. That's it, it was yeah. like I grew up with Sunday dinners at you know my great grandparents' house, and it was in the middle of the vineyards, and we're always allowed a little juice tumbler of wine, mm-hmm. and it was always Zinfandel, of course, because that's all we grew at the time, and. That's what I love. So the style that I wanted to make was old world Zinfandel style mm-hmm. back in the day. And um, I think in the 80s and early 90s, Zinfandel started to trend really, oh, the bigger, the jammier, the higher alcohol, the better. Mm-hmm. And it was like, during that time, I was still making this restrained old world style, which Zinfandel has kind of come full circle and come back to that, where people have been pushing away those high alcohol, high jam, balm kind of zimbastic wines yeah. but uh, the whole time I've been making a little bit more restraint to it hopefully now, so. does old world parallel with old vine because I feel like I've had some old vines and, in, that are really super jammy and you know yeah, super strong no it doesn't and, yeah, okay, and I, yeah. when I say old world style it, it's not technically even a, a term it's just I a mean, family style really for you yeah or more the older Italian style just more medium bodied more restraint to it yeah, yeah. But a big important part in the Zinfandel for me is like, hey, I live on this vineyard. We take care of it for a whole year. It's blood, sweat, and tears. It's not all that romantic. Oh, living on a vineyard. It's hard work. And so I want to show what 2019 happened in the vineyard. How much rain, how much sun. I don't want to mess with it. I want to make it pure and taste the fruit that's naturally there. Because there's so much that naturally, you know is growing and flourishing. And so, um, because of that, I don't manipulate it at all. So I just want it to be fresh and bright. And- I'm curious about, I mean, do you lean kind of more toward the scientific side of winemaking or more toward the art side of winemaking? Um, maybe somewhere in the middle. I feel like I'm more on the labor side of it. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Like, um, I, because a lot of winemakers, uh, people are there, you know, growers and viticulturists or their winemakers, right? Yeah. But my dad has been the farmer of the vineyard for so long, mm. and I live in the middle of this vineyard my whole life except for college. And um, it has to n- deal a little bit with knowing the vines, you know, mm-hmm. like knowing when to pick and how they ripen, what's going to happen. Um, so on the artistic side, playing around with it over years has been fun, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I sway either way heavily. Yeah. If I know sense. people. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've had people on who answer one or the other. Yeah. Um, one in particular, I remember said, oh, science for sure. Yeah. And it was just so interesting to me because I don't, I'm not left brain at all. I'm very yeah. right brain. <laughs> yeah. I would just be like, what does it taste like? What do I, what do I yeah. feel today? It's time to pick, you know? Yeah. Um, but some people, it's very, very scientific. Pure science. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Said the guitarist. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, yeah. The guitarist who pulled up in a bright green band. Yeah. I'm just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Look around, look for around town. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, not too much because gas is crazy expensive right yeah, now. Yeah, right. I mean, everywhere. So you yeah, grew but, up, you grew up here 
And yeah. where was where was your college and getaway, and then to, to then come back again? Um, well, I toured UC Davis while I was in high school because mm-hmm. I pulled my cousin along, and I was like, "I'm going to the school and become a winemaker," you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a three day stay there, and after we left, I'm like, "I'm not going to UC Davis." <laughs> like, okay, so why? Why is that? Because I was big in 4-H, so when I said the labor side, it was like, "I'm a doer. I don't." have anybody mess with the wine of something I would never do. You know, I do every step of the process. I feel like I'm just more involved in it in every step and was kind of what I meant by that. But in saying that we grew up, you know, farming and, um, doing 4-H. So I always raised pigs and, um, you know, wheat and barley and we put into it in all affairs and things like that. So 4-H had a group, a college tour group. And so I uh, went to UC Davis with this 4-H group. So probably the geeky nerds is what I went with. And um, we had to stay, uh, we stayed with different people in college there. And I stayed with the 4-H president of, in college. Like, I don't know who still does 4-H in college. Right. So she was the sheep, <laughs> they do, she though. was the sheep manager, okay. but she lived in the sheep barn. So me and my cousin had to sleep in a stall with a sleeping bag in the sheep barn. Like and the baby Jesus. It, yes. <laughs> and it was windy and cold. And, Just you know, up in Davis. Partying like a rock star. <laughs> no. It was like no partying. No room it was, at the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was freezing. And I went into, looked at the viniculture departments. And I was like, saw all these grapevines. And I'm like, God, this is what I do all day. This is where I live. I want to yeah. go to college or something else. So. I went to UC Santa Barbara instead. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What did you study? I studied, I went in biological sciences and um, I came out um, global and international studies <gasps> because I love to travel and I knew wine was made everywhere in the world. Yeah. There you so go. then afterwards, yeah, I went to Australia and made wine and did an internship, which was seven hours um, or seven days a week, 12 hour shifts. And it was gnarly, but it was, I was used to it. I, it was no problem. I love that but, you. I love that you were. In, you saw it, and you're like, "Why do I have to do this?" Why yeah, do I do this? I'm like, "Who says I, I need a degree?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For that says I can be a winemaker. So, yeah. um, while I was in Santa Barbara, I'd come home during harvest, and we would take grapes back, and in a garage, we'd hand make garage style wine, and. Mm-hmm. I was the most popular person with big old carboys, five gallon, like, you know, those arrowhead jugs. That's what I would store them in. And hey, you want a glass? You're talking about plastic? Yeah, or glass. They make glass ones. They're just so much heavier. But um, yeah, it was just interesting to try and pour in people's glasses from a five gallon That's amazing. Yeah. I want to take a minute to shout out to a couple of good friends of this podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, cargo storage containers, and refrigerated shipping containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. 
Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. With your family, how has it been working together? Maybe you've never known any different, but is it challenging at times? Is it super easy? Is it especially like the balance of the tasks? It's pleasant. It's pleasant. It is really... Um, Knowing that they're going to listen to this podcast. So. Yeah, no. Um, and to say that we're a family-involved business, like, we really, really are. And we have this... We've been buying more vineyards lately, and we do the vineyard portion um, together as a family. I started the winery on my own, yeah. but when 2013, when we moved into the big winery location on 46 yeah, West, yeah. and I was like, mm-hmm. my brother was like, here's an opportunity, we can get this plate, lease it, we're, we're just in there, and I think you should do it. And I was like, oh my God, I have to have like a big kid job, like, you know, and mm-hmm. it was a big step. So when I moved into there in 2013, I brought my whole family, my two brothers and my parents as partners. Yeah. So we, we definitely are all in on the winery. It's my baby, my day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. They are just there for a small amount of ownership and um, 100% of support and if you need anything. But what's cool about my family is everybody excels in different areas and it's all within the wine industry, but very talented in different areas. So um, it kind of, we mesh well and it makes sense. And it's good. I mean, we all live in the same town. We work together. Family dinner is my mom's house now on Sundays um, instead of my great-grandparents' house. But um, it, it, we choose to still have dinner and hang out and go on vacations together. I love it. That's awesome. And it seems, I mean, I know there's men involved, but every time I get there, it feels very feminine run. Like it seems like most of the people that work there that work in the back, the front, you, and we feel like every time, and I feel like it's all really organized. Like like I said, because I've been, (laughs) I go to a lot of wineries for music and I'm I'm always like, this place is just always dialed in. And it's where we choose to go to when Jeannie and I go wine tasting and Mm -hmm, because they also treat me like a rock star. So it's always fun. So, (laughs) but it's, it's, (laughs) my parents love going there. My mom met your mom. And she's oh, like, yeah. oh, and she's like, we're friends. I'm like, pretty sure she doesn't remember your name. But like, <laughs> <Yeah>. that show, <laughs> expect a Christmas card for sure. You know? <laughs> Actually, my mom heard that I was coming down to San Luis. She's like, can I go just to get away and hit the big city? So Come on I, down, mom. I dropped her off downtown. I'm like, I have to go do a podcast. But yeah, the big city. Yeah, uh, just to walk around. She's like, oh, this is my dream. Just to walk around for the <laughs> afternoon because your mom sounds so cute. <laughs> she's she's great. She's definitely the glue for our whole family. And yeah, amazing. Did, do you think, I mean, to Matt's point, is it a conscious decision to hire a bunch of women? Or is that just like they're the most qualified people for the job? Of course, it, it could be both as well. Yeah. Um, no, I have a guy in the cellar um, full time. And I think naturally, just maybe because it's women, I'm you know the leader of it, that I get a lot of women applications. Mm-hmm. But to start for the first six, seven years, we never put an ad out for anything. It was all just kind of happened organically and mm-hmm. people, great people that come to work and uh, the joke around the winery is don't let it, don't let one of the deuces know if you have a talent because 
will capture it and <laughs> utilize you and like just be like, oh, you can you know, do events. So, um, but it's pretty fun. And we've had people working since day one. So it's been great. But um, to be honest, a little bit of males in the tasting room with customers has been great. We have, we have three of them. You know, maybe they work one or two days here and there, but um, it's nice to have a little bit of balance in there. But yeah, definitely ran by women. <laughs> I love it. You, um, as far as labor, you mentioned you didn't put an ad out until several years ago. Has labor, how has that impacted you lately? I mean, most people have been impacted. I'm curious. Yeah, how it and has I never, never dreamt that it would happen. And then, you know, when it was time in June, last June, to open back up, it was like. People were falling off left and right, mm. different reasons. I was like, oh my gosh, we are going to have a problem. Um, but since then, we've gotten into kind of a cool group of Cal Poly like seniors and stuff. And oh, that's cool. Between them and their friends coming to work at the winery, it's, it brings a fun, young energy. And mm-hmm. um, they're just excited. And every event we do, they're just like, yeah, we'll go. And got a little oomph behind their step. That's kind of fun. So um, we're doing good now. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, yeah. what was gonna... I just forgot my train How, of How'd you guys like the wine? Just, I love yeah. it. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, we didn't say anything about that, but it is, you could see where somebody would just, like, you could chug this. Well, yes, yeah. It yeah. could be a little dangerous, but, you know, it's, like I said, it's about 12% alcohol. It's like, it's just the best summer wine, just so yeah. light and crisp and really fresh. Um, but yeah, Pinot Grigio. Well, and you started a second label as well. I wanted to ask about that. Um, yeah, so J2C is, of course, my name is Zen-based, Zen-everything. No. Um, I did a Zen, <laughs> a Zen blend here. And then uh, in 2013, uh, my dad and brother planted, uh, bought a property in a super, super high elevation. It's um, up near like Law or Dow, oh, you know, yeah. like so, so okay. high, but across. So it's, it's more south and west of them, but... Um, it's a really, really cool piece of property. It's about 400 acres, 350 acres. My dad drove us up there, my mom, to show us when he was interested in buying it. And we're like, I don't know if you can cuss on here, but it was yeah. like, fuck, <laughs> no. I don't know. What are you thinking? Like, Why? Because of okay, where so it is? The road to get up there was kind of like a glorified ditch. It was um, barely a road. It had like both sides of the road were just walls of dirt and a we called it driving to middle earth and you were driving up, <laughs> up, up, up. And you got up there and there was like 20 acres of dead, half dead, half alive almond trees. Wow. And so there was some life up there because they hadn't been touched in 40 years and half of them were still alive. And I mean, the topography was great. You're up there surrounded by amazing vineyards. You know, the quality, you know, you've planted the right varietals. It's mm-hmm. probably going to do really well. Um, and so over the next couple of years, they cleared, um, you know, the almond trees and planted 106 acres. So that's why a big I job. say it's crazy is that we, we say from the rugged hillsides of Paper Street, yeah. named it Paper Street. Mm-hmm. And um, because my dad had to plant to every inch possible to get as many grapevines on that 100 acres that so that right after the last road, there's about five feet for a road, and then you plunge to your death. Like, it's like, couldn't yeah. you have like not planted a couple more vines and had like a little, a little safe safety. area to turn around? Margins, margins. Yeah, and to get these grape, it, it's just it's a whole nother level. But the fruit speaks for itself. I mean, yeah. um, it's really cool to have. I have a Zinfandel from here as well. Mm-hmm. So when you do the Ducey's in side by side with the Paper Street's in, oh, this that. one's yeah, yeah. Ducey's planted <laughs> in 1945. 
Paper Street in 2013. Yeah. Um, same clones, same graph like uh, canes from the same vines, mm-hmm. um, same farmer, same winemaker, but drastically different yeah. in composure and complexity. And it has to do with like elevation, terroir, climate. You know, it, it, it's such, it's about a thousand feet higher elevation. So you're getting more temperate climate up there. And it's just, how does that happen? I'm you know, you're able to get an extra thousand feet. Is that because our west and east, is there already an elevation change just between west and east before you even yeah. get into like going? Yeah, that's why there's such that stigma against east side, or you what east side, west side, Paso, because east, yeah. east side is drier and flat. Yeah. And west side is all these mountains that go over yeah. the ocean, you know, yeah. and you get more rainfall. It's cooler. Drainage, all yeah. of it. Yeah. The classic battle between east side and west side Paso. I know, yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does feel that way sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they've worked hard to try and do away with the whole, like, you're not allowed to write West Side on the on your labels. Mm. You can't, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like a law. Make peace. That's crazy. Yeah. You can't say that? Mm-mm. Wow. It's like Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, it is. Again. Yeah, right yeah. down the line. Yep. Drive by. <laughs> well, Paper Street, I wondered if you named it Paper Street, but that w- that's the street that it's on? No. <laughs> you not know the Paper Street story? No. no. Do you not know it? I no? don't. I, I, I was, I feel like, it's not. It's only a couple years old, right? Yeah, it's only yeah, been it's out young. for a couple years. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's it was a like series of wines. I didn't. I didn't play for a while, and then I came back, and I was like, "What's this?" And yeah. it was like I was in the middle, and I, you you told me a little bit. Oh, it's another label, but I didn't get the details. on Yeah, it, so. so we say it's a vineyard designated series by J. Ducey. So it's um, four wines, all from the same vineyard, Paper Street Vineyard. So. My brother, Matt, um, his favorite movie is Fight Club. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Fight Club? Yes. So, oh, that's right. Paper Street Soap Paper Company. Street yeah. Soap Company. It's the name of the soap company that they make from, yeah. It's, is it, a, it's fake, right? Isn't no, no, it a it's a fake real. business? It's I mean, it's a for movie. For them. In, in, in no, the, no, it's yeah. a movie business. <laughs> in the movie, it's a real business in the movie. I love that you're like, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. They didn't really have a Fight so, Club. Okay. I'm not supposed to talk about it. But. Yeah, yeah. So... And they live on Paper Street. And one of the things is that we were very, we've been always a very reserved, quiet family. Yeah. And my brother says, well, there's always three worlds of the Juicy family. You don't talk about the Juicy Vineyard. <laughs> you don't talk about the Juicy Vineyard. Then my sister goes along, starts a label, and all she does is talk about the Juicy Vineyard. So um, it was funny. But it's the, yeah, it's, he named it after the movie, I guess. Um, and my mom was like, absolutely not. Are we naming this beautiful property after a bloody fighty movie? No. But it's, it's actually a really elegant name, I think. Okay, so. If you didn't know. Here's the kicker to the story. Yeah. So my mom has to do the final paperwork down in San Luis at the county. And she's at the county talking about stuff. And remember that road I told you about that's like. The ditch. The ditch. Mm-hmm. Um, at the county, they're like, well, there's no address for that piece of property. It's not landlocked because technically there's a ditch to it. That's that's probably five miles long. Yes. Um, and so she goes, at the county level, we call that a paper street property. <gasps> Because it's a road on paper, but it's not actually a road. Oh. And my mom goes, are you kidding? And she calls my brother. She's like, all right, you win. You get a name of the Vineyard Paper <laughs> Street. Yeah. Oh, that's great cool. story. Yeah. So ironic, crazy. I mean, it was not, we were going to call it my great-grandmother's maiden name, Gazzaroli Ranch or something, and uh, no. ended up doing a, another Zen called Gazzaroli. But 
um, paper street. Yeah, and I love how it is. My mom wanted yes. to have, you know, a paper label on this one and all these pictures on the label. It's a series of six different strips of pictures. Yeah. And my dad is on every label somehow, like the back of him, because he's a very quiet guy. But um, The back of him. Yeah, the back quiet. of him. Like, huh, yeah. I feel like spliced in, there should be a tiny Brad Pitt picture somewhere back oh, I think so. Like, where's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> Well, so why is it called The Narrator, this particular one? So this one's called The Narrator um, because, dual reasons, again. Yeah. Um, in the movie, Edward Norton's character doesn't have a name. He's just referred to as The Narrator. Okay. I and, love this. and then my dad is so quiet, does, will not speak two words. But you get him up on this property, and he wants to take you on a two-hour tour Aww. and show you, like, every corner of the property. And you just it, he kind of just like, comes alive up there. So... Mm. Uh, for Christmas, we bought him a cot so he can take naps up there. Oh, <laughs> he loves it because so far away from everything, and nobody comes up there. So he's all by himself with all of his vines, and uh, he's a farmer at heart and loves it. So we call it the narrator because it reminds us um, of him. Yeah, yeah. And what's this? I'm, I don't speak Spanish, but escandalosa sounds oh, scandalous. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it is. So this is a GSM. You're brilliant. The, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the narrator is a GSM blend, so Grenache Sarama Ved. Mm-hmm. And um, I love for the scandalosa. I knew I wanted to put Mavedra with Zinfandel, which is kind of against the grain, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a GSM, but with Zinfandel instead of. Yeah. Um, Move in. Or no, instead, instead of, of Grenache. Okay. Because they both have that fruit element going on. Uh, so we call it a scandalosa because, um, you know, it's not traditional. Breaking the rules. You. Yeah. But we have another name. We have a story for that name too, but it's kind of crazy. Crazy is <laughs> <laughs> okay. But on the back we have, um, it says a scandalosa with the literal um, description or the, what do you call it? The vocabulary. Yes, oh, definition. definition. Thank you. <laughs> When you it's, we haven't even opened it yet. Yeah, yeah and I'm like, uh, they're all right here. Okay, so scandalous, boisterous, shocking, ruckus, rambunctious, loudmouth, rowdy. And then we were supposed to put the end, a.k.a. Allie and Billy, which is my, my significant other and my brother's wife. <laughs> because we're all very quiet family, and then our two partners are so loud. And, and Billy is boisterous, not quiet. Yeah, and just... A, Loud and this, we're like, we joke at dinner. It's like family dinners. Okay, you on each side. You both can't be in the phones at the same time because it's just so loud. How so. did you meet Billy? If you're so, because you don't start yeah. as somebody who's super, super quiet, I wouldn't say. No, but compared but to you're not him, okay, yeah. I seen yeah. Him, yeah. <laughs> um, he used to own a winery in town. We've been together about 15 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, they bought grapes from us. Okay. So we l- actually met in the vineyard while I was picking grapes. Yeah. Yeah, and he was just observing. It's pretty <laughs> romantic. Yeah, he says he met me on a tractor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say we're similar as like he can take run the show and he can mm-hmm. be entertaining. Like every time I yeah. play, he's like making pizzas or taking around barbecue sausages to people yeah, and talking yeah. stuff up. And yep. he's the ultimate salesperson. Like a host. And just, but mm-hmm. but it's not. He doesn't work at it. It's not a job for it's him. Natural, it's yeah. just like yeah. he would rather be out and about and talking to people. And he's older than I am, but. We joke because he seems younger, has more energy, and you know, yeah. can, you know, he's going. And he's like, "All right, I'll be out." You know, he's going to dinner tonight. He has all these friends. You know, he has a whole life. He outside. has a whole yeah. He he go go go. You have kids, I think, right? I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I thought no, that. That's okay. Well, you got to yeah. have some so you can put them to work. <laughs> I know. No, I'm, I'm stressed about it. I know. No. Luckily, luckily, uh, my brothers um, between them have 
two boys and a girl and there you go. they all look just yes. like me. It's amazing. <laughs> and they're all local. I mean, they're, they're all, all there. They're all yeah. at my house within, you know, one text me today, but she wants, Oh, she wants to do her senior project next year and use my amphora and do a wine project. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, um, Janelle. yeah. And then my nephew is large and in charge running the vineyards almost. So, um, wow. he's 19 and doing a couple classes at Quasta, but he's, I put all my faith in him. If, oh, that's if we're awesome. driving anywhere on Paper Street, I want him to drive. Like he is the next farmer in line. And at 19, he's excited. Wow. That's all he wants that's to do. That's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. It's crazy. He can do more stuff than my dad almost by now. It's crazy. So, um, of the, of the, you know, the other one's I was just like, trying to deliver pizzas and go to my college classes that I, I was, was failing. I was trying but, to yeah. show up. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was just trying to show up. Yeah. And that was real hard. <laughs> I know. I'm like, live a little. You're 19. <laughs> Come on. Speaking of being that age, where did you yeah. go in Australia when you were there? Um, when I went back to work, I went and worked in the Barossa Valley at Two Hands in and Adelaide. Right. And yeah, outside Adelaide. Shiraz, yeah. I think mostly, right? Yeah. Because yeah. right. my brother had um, Syrah planted at his house. So I was just starting to dabble with it a little bit. And I was like, and uh, I wanted to go work over there and live abroad for a little bit. So it was a good four or five months and uh, work hard, play hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, as one does, I know on yeah. that. I was in New Zealand for a harvest and it you just don't see people work that hard and play that hard anywhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, as as somebody who's traveling and, <laughs> and doing an internship like that. Yeah, absolutely. Really so it, is, was, it was fun. Is that true that Syrah and Shiraz just depends on where they're grown? I, yeah, I think so. I think so too. I'm going I, with you guys. You know more yeah. than I do about wine, oh, yeah. so I think so. But speaking of that, Zinfandel is it goes by several different names, at least I think, or is it clonal? It's and, different. Like so, the traces goes back to Zinfandel originating from Croatia. Yes, but I mean, so Primitivo is different. Okay, um, they are slightly different. Yeah. Okay, but what came from Croatia or what's in Croatia? Let's say the mother vine is the same as what you're doing here. Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting, but people get it mixed up. I think a lot of people think that it's indigenous to here or something. Um, it is our signature. Well, cause that's kind of what our roots are in California. You know, besides the mission grape or something, it's the first winemaking grape that was really planted here across yeah. California. So it's funny to see the trends, you know, popularity of wines go up and down. But I mean, Zinn has standed through the test of time and yeah. um, gone through the downs of white Zinfandel, and, you know, yeah. And yeah. so, um, and even, you know, recently in the late nineties, I think there was, like I said, that big bombastic Zinn yeah. and it got over that hump and people are starting to appreciate it a little bit again. It can be so nuanced. It can be so beautiful, mm -hmm. but... I've, we've all had those zins that just punch you in the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is white zin even a thing anymore? Like, have they abandoned it, that? It is. As long as you put rosé on the label, it's is, definitely uh, a thing. <laughs> we definitely had some. I'll guarantee yeah. that. Yeah. So, oh, I came, so I came home from football practice one day, and I was just dying. I was tired, and there's just this 32-ounce cup on the table with ice in it. I yeah. thought it was water. My mom was starting happy hour early. In a 32-ounce We cup. talked about it later, yeah. We, we might have some alcohol problems we were working through. But I was just like, oh, so I just grab it, and I put down half the thing before I tasted it, and it was just like, it all came back up. Oh. So, oh. so anytime white Zen, I'm like, nope. No. Oh, <laughs> Even rosés, I've been like, I'm like slowly like, okay, I can appreciate that. I can, yeah. you know, put this, repressing this memory, yeah. That's the Carlo Rossi thing. I remember we would go out for Mexican food every Friday night with my family, in Santa Maria and my mom 
I think on like a good night, would order a glass of either Chablis yeah. from the box or from mm-hmm. the yeah. jug or Blush, which Blush. was White Zin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty fancy. I mean, at the time it was, you know, it was very fashionable. And now <laughs> looking back, it's like, oh gosh, no. If people are drinking that, I'm not aware of it other than college <laughs> students, you know, or high school students. Yeah. Well, rosé can be anything, and they're mm-hmm. so they're all the rage right now. I yeah. mean, the popularity and the. Yeah. I have distributors. I'm in. A, I sell wine in about eight different states, and January fifth, they're like, "When's your next rosé coming?" You know, and oh it, it's just a demand for it, and yeah. it can be anything in it's there. That brunch, that brunch crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All kind of toast and brunch. trending yeah. all the time now, though. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and a good rosé, man. I mean, yeah. I can. I love a good rosé for sure. You, I didn't realize you sold in eight states. That's pretty significant. Yeah. I was, yeah. It's, it's fun. I, I choose states that I like to go visit. <laughs> <laughs> or all my friends live in or something because Perfect. you're going to go work. And I mean, it's fun to get out of Paso Robles. Mm-hmm. It's my job to go eat and drink and talk to wine shops and restaurants in different states. And There's the payoff of all the hard work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is monotonous and I... L- People, I'll be in a hotel and a sales rep will pick me up in the morning and we will go to 10 places. So I walk in with my wines and save the spiel and then leave and go to the next store. So it is monotonous and going and doing it over and over but again. You're talking but talking about something you love. Exactly. Too, right? And we're selling wine and we, you know, our, our job is food and wine and it's making people happy. And when's, you know, you don't see people drinking wine unhappy that often no. so it's you know it's usually bringing friends and families together and um it's always a happy endeavor it seems like it also seems like i, I could mm. be wrong but i was just thinking about this the other day that you don't hear about many people who are winemakers who decide to give it up who decide you know yeah. and I'm not, this isn't for me i'm not gonna do it i might be wrong about that but i can't think of a single person yeah who's like you know what turns out this isn't any fun People i want to be a plumber it. i want to go into yeah. plumbing and i want to deal or with toilets. politician yeah. or you know <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like a great, if you are into it and you mm-hmm. have that blend of, you know, the art and the science and especially somebody like you, who's just so, you're so accustomed to being out in the vineyard. You yeah. Know, it feels probably a lot like home base. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? And now if anything, I'll just hire more people to help me, but I still <laughs> want to do it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I speak, one of my sponsors, James Onaveros, is in New York City pouring at the Wine and Spirits Top 100 Wineries event. And why? Because Native Nine Wine has been named one of the top 100 wineries in the world, along with a couple other consumed alums, Scar of the Sea, Aubon Clement, and Tally Vineyards. It's incredible to think how each of these people and their wineries started at the bottom and worked their way up. For James, wine, and particularly Pinot Noir, has been a lifelong pursuit. You can learn all about James, the land he lives on and works, and his wines during a private tasting at the ranch in Santa Maria Valley. As the folks at Ranchos de Anaveros say, this is not your average tasting experience. Plan to be out there for like two to three hours and bring your boots. For more information, visit ranchosdeanaveros.com. The Consumed Podcast is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a semi-monthly lifestyle publication that highlights what makes San Luis Obispo so special. I write the food column for Slow Life, and we've sort of changed up the format in recent months, and I really like where it's headed. I've been featuring just one local food-related business and really drilling down to discover what makes it tick. 
For the April 2022 issue, I interviewed Fabian Tefera about her Ethiopian takeout restaurant, Ebony Slow. Yep, you may recognize Fabian's name because she was on the first season of this podcast in 2019. If you want to know more about Ebony Slow and Ethiopian food here on the Central Coast, check out that issue of Slow Life magazine or visit slowlifemagazine.com. So when you go travel to these states that sell your wine, do you have a marketing person or do you have a handler or is it you? His name is Billy and he works for free. That's right. That's kind of what we got going as we started traveling. I was, he was selling wine for the winery that was buying our grapes and he just has so much fun everywhere we go and we would hit these states and just cause a ruckus and have fun and mm. and we're selling wine. I mean, it was crazy. So um, Billy does a lot. He did make some connections. He's kind of a people person. Yep. Uh, people come to, every day. People are like, I need to ask Billy a question. I was like, yep, go to lunch with him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I've been mar- emailing actually all the markets today trying to line up my spring travel. So yeah. I'll usually visit each market once a year. Um Rarely I'll go twice a year. Yeah. So just a little bit when it works in my schedule between harvest and bottling and mm-hmm. get out and get my juices flowing, travel. And That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. yeah. This time of year, I've been doing this podcast just long enough to know that asking a winemaker, is yeah. it, this is a good time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Find out yeah. the window. Yeah. Right. At least we're out of dry January. So taste room should oh start hopping. And I know. Oh my, I, well, I, I need to start a campaign against dry January. I know. It you really our, feel it? It was our worst oh, yeah. month since we've been open. Yeah. Yeah. I lost a lot of money. I was just like, okay, let's all break those. Let's get back. Right. Now you're just going to be like, come, come back and force. Yeah. February is here. Yeah. And you really feel that in the tasting room? Too? Yeah. Wow. Everyone's going to, is they're going to be healthy and they're never going to drink again for at least failed, 20 days. Though. They do. But they you do. usually get, I mean, you get the people that do like a week or two and they're proud of themselves and yeah. they come in, but then, you know, they keep also that and the, the Omicron surge. I mean, that, oh, that scared that. a lot of people away too. Yeah. But. There's that. Too. As soon as we get all through all this, it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's somebody as a international studies major? Wasn't that what it was? Global? Global and international studies. My brother is making fun of me different? all the time. It's global studies. It was global. I don't know. Yeah, that's the same. Global See, and international. They just make fun of me. Like, really? That's your major? I'm like, yeah, I want to travel, you guys. <laughs> and it sounds pretty smart. My goodness. I do have to say it was UCSB's. I was the very first graduating class with that major. <laughs> hey, pig. I was uh, camping recreation management, so oh, yeah, hey, that's w- mixed cool. with theology. So it was, a, yeah, I, I don't use it at all. So yeah. at least you use yours for it. art history. Use <laughs> it every you? day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shut up. I've got two good friends in art history. I'm like, how's that? How's that? Training? <laughs> that training yeah. today? And the funny thing, the other one, some painting came up. I'm like, who's that? And they're just like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, come on. I got one person in my life that can be like, who's the artist? Because yeah. I always say, like, to my girls, I'm like, it's just run your majors by dad real quick before we uh, pay for I, I, my art history classes I took in college. I loved UCSB oh, has yeah. an excellent program. Yeah, I took a couple and I just enamored. Well, just it. hard to turn. I mean, into a career. It's a limit. I would yeah. say it's a limited window. It is, but I will say it just like what you did and how. I mean, I'm sure that your major informs your life today. It totally, totally does. Maybe it's not like a direct 
thing, but I learned how to write in yeah, writing essays for art yeah. history. That's yeah, there you and go. now that's my job. So now, I don't know. You you win the argument. Yeah. Thanks. Well, now, I mean, now support yeah. <laughs> art history. At UC, where'd you go? UCSB? I went oh. to Vassar College. Oh, wow. I went over oh, to gosh. New York for that. Nice. Nice. So I had access to a lot of art too. I think that was part of it is like just how do you not get excited when you walk in the Met and you see yeah. everything? I mean, it's easy yeah. to be inspired. It's a place to study it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to try, well, we're going to compare some of these guys. Yeah. Sorry. I'm off. Um, <laughs> international studies though, we were, we had to focus on a region and you had to master one language. So mm. you had to, so I did South America and um, Spanish. You had to go through six levels of college Spanish. And then, wow. um, yeah, you're supposed, what I missed out on was going abroad to, to study abroad. Oh. Which I'm so sad you didn't yeah. get to do that. So, I know. So do you feel fairly fluent in Spanish? Uh, no, but I can get by really well. See, that's what everyone I know that knows <laughs> Spanish really well. They're like, I'm like, okay, you can't, you can't tell because, me about your dream last night, but like, you can get around anywhere you want to go. Yeah. And my wife majored in, and uh, she went to language school in Cuernavaca. But did she? Oh, in the country? Yeah, in, okay. in, in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you have to be immersed, like full immersion yeah. to really... But still she says like she's it. not that good and we'll go somewhere and she's like, I'm like you're getting great. Like, she yeah. got us through Italy by speaking Spanish. Like, yeah. It was like, she, well, she, she could, could, could kind of understand it. I bought it. a used car because I speak Italian, but not Spanish. I bought a used car using Italian oh. with, with Spanish speakers once. It was... Hilarious. I got left in at a family dinner because there was an accident and someone cut their hand in the hospital. So I'm with my friend Antonio Vari's family at this big uh, Italian dinner and I got left alone and we're trying to have a conversation and no one speaks English and I have no comprehension of Italian whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm like doing charades and like acting oh, yeah. stuff out and they're, yeah. <laughs> they're trying to guess with some words they know. And it was hilarious. They get back and one of the cousins at the table says a full sentence in English and I'm like, what? She goes, well, my English isn't that good. I'm like, I know. Wait, you just let me mind my career and <laughs> yeah. my life. Like, I'm up here doing shadow puppets and like, yeah. My family does that in Italy when we go visit. I'm like, I heard that. You can't hide it from me. You do know English. Do any of your immediate family members speak Italian? No. Um, you can pour out there, by the way, if you want. No, I think it was such a generation with my parents because my mom's dad is 100% Mexican, actually, and first oh. language is Spanish. And yeah. my dad's dad is 100% Italian, first language Italian. But that whole family chose to sp- speak Spanish more just because I think the vineyard connection and vineyard workers. But huh. um, I think the generation that they grew up in, it was like, again, assimilate. Don't, you know, don't learn another language. And I know everyone beats themselves up now that, okay, my parents were, you know, first yeah. language. I don't, yes. they didn't teach me. So um, Janelle, this is unbelievable. That's in I, yes, your glass. It's, it's that, like, it's, it's that, that dry peppery zin. Like I, I try and find oh, everywhere thank else. You. And uh, I feel like zin. every time I get a zin, it's super jammy or that's what they use to describe yeah. it. I'm like, I'm not looking for that zin. Well, and that's a very, that's one of the main characteristics of Zinfandel is the fruit, but to keep it restrained and to keep it, Mm-hmm. intact and in balance is the hard part to do because um, this is dry farms in. So mm-hmm. it um, only gets rain during the su- during the winter time and after bud break, it never sees another drop. Yeah. And so you can't control the ripening and the harvest date like you can on an ir- irrigation system. Yeah. If it's like a heat spell, like 115 degrees, which is known to happen in right. Vaso, right. you can turn that irrigation on, ride it through the heat wave and it'll come out the other end. Zinfandel would dry up into raisins on the vine. Mm. So it's a really, really difficult one to capture at the right optimal ripeness. Mm. Yeah. 
And they, what did I read somewhere that they don't, the berries don't ripen at the same rate on, in a bunch. Yeah. Let alone the vine doesn't ripen at the same time because it's at different heights of the ground. Then on one bunch, you will have plump, huge watery berries. You'll have tight little berries. You'll have, you'll always have a little bit of raisins on every cluster. So it's ununiformed ripening per cluster and per vine. Yeah. And the raisins, so I'm ignorant about this, but would you harvest the raisins and, and bring them? At, I know you do a lot of, is it all whole no. cluster? No, it's not whole cluster. Oh, okay. We, we harvest it whole cluster and at the winery, we put it through a distemmer, which yeah, separates okay. the stems. But on that distemmer is like a shaking table or like a vibrations that kicks off the raisins and throws them out. Okay. okay. You yeah. want to get as many raisins out as you can, but there's also something about going too far with it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to tell you one little study really quick. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We, uh, we're close with all the guys at Turley because we sell them grapes for so many years. Yeah. But they did a Cal Poly senior project to help these kids do it. And it was really cool. They kind of used this um, sheet like panning for gold. Mm-hmm. And they took all the berries off. And they used the sheet. And um, they had five different size holes. So the different size berries would fall through, and they did the you know the smallest ones first in one bucket. Mm-hmm. So they had five buckets of wine, and they did small to larger berries, and they made five different wines. So when we were there with them, they the Cal Poly project had finished, and we tasted wines one through five, and then a combination of all of them. Hands down, the best one was all of them blended together. Oh, really? When you took the bigger berries, it was too watered down. The smaller berries was too much concentration. The middle one was like the best, but the sexiness of Zinfandel is that you can't control it. You know, Mm. it is an, it is ununiformed and is different. And just to have a study like that locally with our grapes, um, was so fascinating. That is a very cool study. But no other varietals like that. Cabernet, Syrah, the grapes, every grape on the cluster is uniformly the same size, the same sugar level. Mm. Um, and easy. Yeah. Zimbabwe is the challenging one. So that makes sense why I like it. Cause it's the sexy one. Yeah. yeah that's the right. sexy I mean, beast. <laughs> sexy beast. It is beastie. That's for sure. Okay. Let me ask you something that I ask everybody. Um, if you were on your deathbed, um, and you were like, you know what? I've led a really good life. I want to eat blank. What would it be? And who would be there? And what would you drink? Oh, Gosh, it's no, a light, no pr- simple question. No pressure. You're dying. No pressure. <laughs> Let's pretend well, you're dying. You don't get you I'm, two choices. I'm like known for, as a pizza girl. Like I, people give oh. me the earrings, give me all the stuff. But I had pizza yesterday after of like a month of cleansing in January, and I'm like so over it right now that um, typically I would say that. But um, you know, a nice marinara sauce. I love polenta. I grew up with like that. So something with with that with a little bit of. Um, Meat, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Marinara, polenta, all those Italian things that are mm. so savory like and good. Like home style. So home style, total savory. I'm not a sweets person. Um, yeah. What are you drinking? Maybe an Italian wine. Italian wines are very confusing for me to get all straight, but there's some good ones that I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Zen. I, like I said, I have a Zen palate at heart that... But I think it's obvious. <laughs> it's real obvious. And who's yeah. going to be there? Is it going to be like a Sunday dinner? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My fam and oh, my nieces and nephews, I adore so much. So, um, yeah, the whole fam. Love it. With a family like that, I would be disappointed yeah. if you're like, by myself. Uh, yeah, no way. No. Yeah, no way. 
But um, it's fun. Like I said, they look just like me, so I feel like I have kids, and they like to come stay with me, and I take them everywhere. That's the best. And then I can hand them back. That's and it's perfect. like, yep. all right, see you guys later. Yeah. Awesome. I wish I would have thought about that before I. No, I'm just kidding. And no. I, don't have to, I don't have to drop them off at eight in the morning. I'm like, oh, gosh. Wow. You, all that. your babies live out in the vineyard. That's, yeah. that's babies yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that this narrator is also Zen, but just grown it. No, I do another one uh, under the narrator label, uh, under the paper, paper street label. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100% Zen. And I have a cab now, too. Oh, yeah. 100% cab. Get you that next time. Yeah, <laughs> forgot about that one. I don't make very much of it, but um, it's it's good. It's fun to mess around with other varietals and expand on, on the on the wine varietals for sure. Well, Janelle, you were so kind to come down to bring all this wine to talk to us. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. I feel like it went by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover with the Matt Cross. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to all these new, wonderful people. It was my pleasure. Okay. Time for a beer? Time for a beer. Yay! Woo! Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. To hear more stories from the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California, to see guest photos, read their bios, maybe even get a recipe visit letsgetconsumed.com. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.